How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery's show. Hanging out on this Monday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us on the go. Social media at 929 The Game. I'm at JMCH316 on Twitter. This unite look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. David Onyemata talking about uh, this defensive line and the fact that this is Grady's group. Quote, this is his group. This is Grady's group. We're all here trying to compliment each other out here in the meeting rooms, on the field, everything. This is his group. He says uh, when talking about what this defensive line could be, quote, the sky's the limit with this combination. Uh, I've known about Grady for the longest time, knowing what kind of player he is, knowing what kind of respect he commands out there. And just being able uh, to compliment that and have us go out there and make plays. Um, so, look, all good news coming out right now, right? I mean, and not that there'll be any bad news. Uh, there might be bad play, but uh, not that there's going to be bad news uh, in all of this. But, look, Grady is pretty much the unquestioned leader in all of this. So, when you start taking a look at, you know, who, what, where, and who shot John, he's the leader in the clubhouse, right? I mean, he's... He's the guy, he's been the best player on this defense for many, many years, and he's the guy a lot of guys look up to, right? He's the guy that's... Now it's funny to think that Grady is this veteran presence and player nowadays, but that's what he is, right? I mean, he's got several years in the league now, and he's not a youngster anymore. I mean, again, he's, you know, on on the 30-year-old age side, and while I call that really young chronologically in life, you know, in football years, it starts getting a little bit older. So, um, you know, we read the pro football focus thing from last week, the idea of, you know, he could be on the downside of his career, getting a little bit older, blah, 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 blah. Well, I mean, let's see. Let, let's let's ultimately see what happens uh, in all of this. But, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll see if this uh, if this truly is Grady's team or, you know, again, if they if, if some guys, young guys step up and start to transition away. Uh, so pro football focus has their NFC has their NFL offseason report for the Atlanta Falcons. So here's what they have to say. Um, and I won't go through the whole thing. You know, they go through their free agents that they signed, free agents that they lost, um, free agency recap, best move of the offseason. So what do you, let me ask you, 
What do you think the best move of the offseason for the Falcons has been? What do you what do you think that they think that their best move has been? Uh, could it be Kalias Campbell, maybe? No, actually, believe it or not, they say their best move of the offseason was drafting Matthew Bergeron. Oh, Matthew okay. Bergeron will likely start immediately at left guard and could transition out to tackle in the future. He surrendered just 24 combined pressures the last two seasons for Syracuse. So interesting that they have him as their guy that you know, was the best move in this offseason. Um, when talking about the free agency class, quote, their top prize was Jesse Bates III, PFS top-ranked safety, free agent safety. Bates excelled against the run last season, earning an 88.3 run defense grade. And he finished top five in um, – sorry, he's finished top five at the position in PFF wins above replacement in each – in two of the last three seasons. The interior defensive line got uh, the biggest collective upgrade with the addition of veterans Calais Campbell, David Onyemata, and Eddie Goldman. Onyemata took a step back last season, putting up an overall grade of 64, but earned an 80-plus grade in three, uh, in three of the prior four campaigns before 2022. Campbell will be 37 at the start of the season, but his play has yet to drop off significantly. Last year, he racked up six sacks, 12 hits, and 17 hurries. And then they talk about the draft and, and all this good stuff. Uh, and then they say the best move in the offseason is Matthew Bergeron. Remaining team needs, wide receiver. Drake London looked like a stud in his rookie campaign, but there is little depth behind him as the roster currently stands. Matt Collins and Scully Miller were brought in via free agency, but Miller will be the slot receiver on a team likely to use a considerable amount of 12 personnel, and Hollins has a career-best uh, grade of just 622 in five NFL seasons. Lack of playmakers at wide receiver behind London should theoretically lead to a breakout year from tight end Kyle Pitts, who has, who to date has more drops than touchdowns. Wow. I did that, that number. I did not know more drops than touchdowns. Oh boy. Um, Atlanta would be wise to continue to look for free agent talent and trade opportunities to bolster this unit. Isn't DeAndre Hopkins out there? Isn't he available? Anyway. Um, Early position battle to watch. Nickel corner. Falcons selected the playmaking cornerback Clark Phillips III in the uh, fourth round, but he'll likely likely have a shot in camp to win the starting nickel job. He fell to day three because he lacks the ideal NFL size and speed, but his ability to play the ball in the air helps him stand out. Well, again, the reason that they drafted him is they watched him play against Drake London. That was specifically what they talked about, the idea of, he played against Drake London when he was at Utah and gave Drake London fits uh, for all of it. Uh, he'll have to beat out veteran Mike Hughes, who is now on his fourth team in five seasons. While his coverage grade last season in Detroit was just 51.4, he put up his second straight uh, season with a run defense grade over 80. Well, I could really care less about that. Uh, just let me see you catch you know, interceptions and, and have the ball in your hands. Uh, the 2023 outlook. Here's what they say. While no one expects the Falcons to compete for the Super Bowl, they should definitely be competitive within the rebuilding NFC South. They should have an elite rushing offense, considering the talent at offensive line and running back, and both the defensive line and secondary are significantly upgraded with veteran skill. The key for the Falcons will be second-year quarterback Desmond Ritter, who will look to improve upon his 55.9 overall grade as a rookie, If he can elevate his play in his first full season as a starting signal caller, Atlanta could win the division. Well, I'll say this. 
I don't think that Desmond Ritter has to be a great quarterback. I, I've said this repeatedly. I think he has to be a good quarterback. I think he has to be a guy who doesn't make mistakes. He has to help lead this team in the red zone. But with our offensive personnel that we have, and theoretically our defense, our defense should be a lot better than, what, 39 sacks over the last two seasons. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to have 39 sacks, but the point is that we should theoretically be better on our defensive front and be able to get to the quarterback more. Those will be the things that will define this team. I still think that Desmond Ritter, and I hate to use this word, can game manage his way through the season and not have big-time playmaking numbers. Now, look, if he plays really well, then this team has more than a shot to win the division. They could really make some noise in the playoffs. But if he plays well enough where he doesn't turn the football over, he's efficient in the pass game, he doesn't get you in trouble, then we'll win plenty of games behind our our run unit, our offensive line, and ideally our defensive line will help us to win some games as well. But we'll see. I mean, I I, I think that's – I think more than him taking that big step forward is the idea that there are other things that take a step forward. You know, I, I think we can I think we can win with a game manager type of quarterback, but we're not going to win games if we continue to be 1920 sacks. We're not going to be that kind we're not going to be a playoff defense if that's where we are. Is that if that's the idea of where we're living defensively, we're not going to be that playoff caliber defense. And to me, that's the real key of this. Again, two things. Red zone offense and can we sack the quarterback? Because I still have I still have doubts about the second. I think we can be an elite red zone offense. I think that I think that's certainly where we can live in all of this. But again, we'll see what what happens. Um, you know, with it. Uh, obviously, you know, hope springs eternal, and you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully this thing pays off. I mean, you know, it's been a long time since we've had their had a winning record, and you know, it's it's time, right? I mean, it's it's time. All right, um, Pete Prisco has his NFL top 100 players. And when you look at the list, let me see here. Uh, I thought I had this list. The top players from Pete Prisco. All right. Um, no shock, he's got the um, best player in the NFL at number one, uh, Pat Mahomes. Josh Allen, number two. Burrow, number three. Bosa, four. Miles Garrett, five. Then Kelsey, Micah Parsons, Aaron Donald, and then Trent Williams, round out the uh, the top 10. If you're looking for Atlanta Falcons that are on this list. And by the way, I'll read uh, I'll read a quote uh, tomorrow from what uh, Jair Alexander, one of the best corners in the NFL had to say about uh, about Jerry Gray. But uh, if you're looking for I believe it's number 89 is where Grady Jarrett uh, falls. Let me see make sure I've got that right. And he's at number 89. His numbers were down last season but he's still a force in the inside of the Falcons. He needs more help around him. Well, certainly we feel like we got more help for him, right? Certainly we feel like we've got with David Onyemata, Calais Campbell, Caden Ellis. I mean, we've got guys all around him. You know, obviously, Katie on the outside, Lorenzo Carter on the outside. Obviously, we feel like Taquan Graham being back. That's the other part of this, too, that's probably not being talked about enough. Taquan Graham being back, who did some really good things for the Falcons in that second season, but... Obviously, he got hurt and missed a lot of time. So, again, I think we have the help for Grady. 
Now, one guy that is noticeably absent by his presence on here. So the only guy that made the top 100 players for the Atlanta Falcons is 89 is Grady Jarrett. I'll ask you, Garrett, who's the biggest omission? Because he's the best player on the Atlanta. The best player on the Atlanta Falcons was not on this list. Do you know who that is? Who would that be, John? It'd be Chris Lindstrom. I'd Chris, say so, yeah. Chris Lindstrom should be a top 100 player in this league. I mean, he's the best. Go- he's probably, if not the best, he's top two guards in football. He's he's one of the top two offense interior offensive linemen in the game. He's an outstanding offensive lineman. And, uh, and by the way, even A.J. Terrell got uh, an honorable mention um, on the list. I but, think AJ Terrell could could jump onto that list after if if Okuda is what we think he could be. I think AJ Terrell can make a jump there. I, I I don't have I wouldn't have a problem with that either, but Lindstrom is the big miss. That's the big one. That that's that's the big miss because I will tell you this. Like Christian Kirk is number eighty seven. Okay, he's a nice player. He isn't more valuable than what Chris Lindstrom. He's not even is. the best wide receiver on his own team. Right. I mean Alvin Kamara may not even be in the NFL this year, and I know he's a good player, but he's not been a better player the last two years than Chris Lindstrom has. He hasn't played enough games. Yeah. He really hasn't. Yeah. No, Chris Lindstrom's an omission. That's a that's a glaring omission. Um, So I I, I think he's the big guy, the big player for the foul. In fact, even if you told me that Lindstrom made it and Grady didn't, I wouldn't have a problem with that because Lindstrom is the best player. See, and that's, again, what, what do we talk about? The 35,000-foot, the, the Peter King theory, right? Pete Prisco knows more about the NFL than what we do uh, of the entire snapshot of the league, right? Pete Prisco doesn't know more about the Atlanta Falcons than what we do. No, of course not. I mean, but does he have any other guards on this list? Um, he's got, he's, he's got what's-his-name, uh, the kid from uh, Notre Dame, probably. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He plays for Indianapolis. Um now, now my brain just went dead. Uh, Quentin Nelson. Yeah, Quentin Nelson. Um, no, actually, you know what though? Nope. I, I take that back. I did not see. I did not see Lindstrom. But Lindstrom is on the list. All right, he did make it. So <laughs> there you go. Because I was going to give him grief for all of that. Um, actually, there we L- go. Lindstrom is 58th. Oh. And Quentin Nelson is 59th. All right. So he, he does. He okay. does have it over Quentin Nelson because I did not see his. <laughs> I'm gonna name. hit the reverse. By, how, yeah. how many dumps do I have on here? I don't, I don't know. We talked about that earlier. That's in the show. all right. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Again, we don't. We don't try to be right on this. Uh, on this show. So, um, look. I mean, he because again, he is one of the. He is one of the best players in the NFL. I'm not telling you he's Pat Mahomes or what have you, but he certainly deserved to be on this list. So again, Lindstrom and Grady. That that's the two guys. And you know, Pro Football Focus had who's the best. You know, who's the three best Atlanta Falcons. Or four, I think it was four best Atlanta Falcons. I, I think it's I think it's Lindstrom. I think it's Grady. I think it's AJ Terrell. And then you know I don't even know who the fourth player is on this list, but um, but I think that's your three top guys. And part of that is your veteranship. I mean, part of that is being a veteran on this team. So uh, again, Lindstrom is an outstanding interior offensive lineman. I think it is interesting that he is partnered up with Quentin Nelson at fifty eight and fifty nine. Um, Never would have thought that you know Quentin Nelson would be probably that high, high or lowly ranked. I guess fifty uh, ninth of the top one hundred. But you know, again, two years ago he was the best. He was the best offensive lineman in football. I'm talking about any position in football. 
All right, when we get back, uh, John Garcia Jr. is going to join us. We'll talk a little college football and college recruiting as well. Chuck, we're in the Kia Studios. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Sports Radio, 929 Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuck Show coming live on this Monday evening with you as, well, we continue to get closer and closer to college football season. It won't be very much longer here. Of course, we'll have all the best college football coverage in the Atlanta area. And uh, joining us on the WadeFord.com hotline, our friend John Garcia, Jr. He's a national college football recruiting analyst for Rivals. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at John Garcia Jr. John, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes here in Atlanta with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's a busy time, like you said. In, in this part of the country, we uh, we talk shop every single day, and as it gets closer, we, we get a little bit more. So excited to be on with you. What do you make of the way these conferences can't really seem to find an ideal schedule, whether they're going divisions, no divisions, whether it's eight games, nine games, you know, it just it seems like there's so much turmoil. What do you think the hang up is? Like what what is, exactly are these conferences? I mean, I know it's always money, but I mean other I'm than gonna that. Say. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean but but what's what is the hang up? Like what what exactly are they looking for? You know, it, it, it certainly isn't competitive balance, but what do you think it is about these conferences, the fact that they just can't seem to get any kind of long term commitment to their conference schedules? I think that's the thing that the money is is so much um and and there's so much unknown with the other conferences that it's hard for any one conference to feel settled I think in any way whether it's divisions how many games even the non-conference and expanding towards you know later opponents we don't even see those reports like we used to right we used to say hey in 2029 um is going to play Texas or wh- whatever it was we don't even see those reports anymore. So I think a lot of it is about the now and everybody trying to navigate what's best for them while simultaneously keeping an eye on, in the SEC's case, I think the Big Ten, most importantly, while also looking sort of down and across the aisle at the ACC to see what that looks like. So I think everyone's trying to move forward but not 
not to the point of finalization, if that makes sense. And that leaves everything cloudy, whether it comes to, you know, schedules and trying to figure out anything logistically for the long term. And and do you think it's a matter of, you know, everybody tries to stay open to the idea of expansion? Because the last thing you want to do is, you know, come every two or three years to the TV networks and say, okay, we've expanded our conference and now we've got to negotiate a new deal. I mean, you know, that even for the TV executives, that gets to be old after a while. So is it maybe a matter of leaving the door open so that, once there's expansion, you know, whether no matter what it is, I mean, I don't care what teams or whatever, but that also is maybe a, a factor that's in play here. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody wants to try to – it's like recruiting, right? You want to play the game. You know, if you're a recruit and you're committed, you're, you're good, but you're also like, well, if this school calls, maybe I won't be so good right. with this program. You know, so I think they're playing the same game uh, because everything is about the short term. There, there hasn't been any – anything substantial about the long term. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of gamesmanship. And and just, again, it goes back to money and business, as you mentioned. It's about keeping things open while trying to move forward simultaneously, which is, of course, never easy with with any one school or one program. Just imagine doing so as one collective conference with a couple new teams thrown into the mix as well. It's probably not a fair comparison, but it is kind of funny in some ways that, you look at these conferences and the presidents and everybody else, and they want to keep everything open and have their cake and eat it too, but as long as they can have control over NIL, right? I mean, the fact that, you know, the players are kind of at this point in their life free and they can do a lot of different things, but yet the conferences want to put the, you know, the uh, congressional regulations mm-hmm. on what NIL is, yet at the same time they want to be able to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, I think that's the theme across the sport, whether you, whether you look at it uh, from, from the conference angle or the program angle. And then you have to get through a lot of red tape. You know, just the information around NIL seems to shift every single day. Some are pushing for clarity, while others are, are pushing more in the regulation and parity department. You know, but does that ever really exist in college football anyway? So there's just a lot of layers to this cake, and it just appears like, we're not even close to, to digging into it uh, as a collective. So I think it's going to be quite the off season. You know, we're, we're still, uh, what, a few weeks away from, you know, SEC media days and, and all the conference media days getting going. So I think we're going to push for some more clarity at that point. But oftentimes that only muddies the waters in the process. National College Football Recruiting Analyst for Rivals, John Garcia Jr. joining us here on the waitfor.com hotline. You know, when you hear things and in, in, in conversations that you have with these recruits, I mean, how much chatter and how important is NIL and finding a potential right deal for these kids now that are coming out of high school and maybe for the first time in their life having a chance to potentially cash in on name, image, and likeness? Yeah, it's changed everything. You know, we used to hear it from really just the elite few right the five-star types the true no doubter all-american you've heard of this kid before type of recruit but now in in years two and three of this thing we're starting to filter that thing down to much more and it's about more i would say logical and linear expectations Um, it's not hey i'm gonna go to this school and get rich but it is more of hey i can send somebody back home. I can now help out, uh, you know, if, if I have a single mother or, or there's a situation that needs some of that attention. And that can, of course, in turn, be affected uh, through the recruiting process itself. Hey, if you go here, 
it's this amount, you go here, it's that amount, um, you know, regardless of your playing status, regardless of your GPA, I mean, it, depending on the deal. So, yeah, these these collectives and these schools are all sometimes individually and, and, and sometimes together uh, trying to streamline this thing as much as possible. And the recruits are, are absolutely receptive well ahead of time, um, but to the point where we're even hearing prospects talk about staying in school longer as opposed to the usual commitment speech of, hey, for the next three years, I'll be spending my time at school blank. Well, now it's for the next four plus years, maybe I'm going to spend my time at school at school blank, because now there is not this sense of I just got to get out the door to try to get drafted. There's a sense of I can actually sustain something financially while taking my time almost uh, at the collegiate level. So I do think that part of it has been a nice uh, change uh, relative to, to expectations. But, yeah, obviously at the top you're still talking about just uh, gaudy amounts of money uh, from the day you get there. And in some states you could do it in, at the high school level, right? right? Right next door, a couple states down from you guys in Louisiana. You've got that. Uh, it's starting to creep into the southeast just a little bit more. So you just wonder when the high school overlap with that is, is going to go down. And then these kids get to college with a couple dollars in their pocket in the first place, which I think will add another layer to, to what uh, is already, of course, an incredibly fluid process. And, and is that one of the philosophical changes, just in the idea of, you know, before it was a matter of kids would maybe stay closer to home to help out, you know, mom or what have you, and, you know, they wouldn't necessarily go across the country. But now that's kind of being replaced with the idea of, okay, I can send money to mom now, you know, in the right NIL deal and and help her out in that way versus I have to be close to home. I mean, is is this kind of the, the philosophical shift of, of what we're seeing about what kids kind of prioritize? It, it all comes down to family, but just in, the, in a different form and a different way that they do it. Yeah, and I think it expands even more, you know, beginning July 1 because now prospects can take unlimited official visits on top of this. So mm-hmm. previously – you would have to try to filter this thing down to five schools, take those five officials, and, and, and kind of make your call, shoot your shot. But now uh, you can take trips in May and June, and then during the season you could theoretically take seven, eight, nine, ten more trips if you're if you're up for that kind of uh, jet lag. So it, it is going to be a little bit different this fall. You're going to see a lot more committed recruits taking trips, and I think the the good end of that is hey you can go now explore an option further to home where previously if you didn't have the means to get there and the interest wasn't sky high right out of the gate, you would never see that school. Now you can be a little bit more thorough in your due diligence and say, well, this school is number six on my list, but I'm not limited to those five trips anymore. So now school number six can get a visit. School number seven can get a visit. And and as you know, 17, 18-year-old gets on a college campus, anything goes Mm -hmm. in terms of changing his mind and or his perception. So – it is absolutely a game changer. NIL, I would say, paired with that unlimited official visit rule, is really going to shake some things up uh, at the end of this cycle, in my opinion. Talk to me a little bit about Dylan Riola, how big of a get this was for Georgia. I mean, I saw that you guys had him ranked as your uh, top day two performers uh, on the Elite 11. How big of a get is this for Georgia? Yeah, this is huge. You know, I think when we, we talk about – recruiting and perception it's so important right and there is a perception with georgia hey defensively they're going to go out and get whatever they want in the trenches whatever they want running back tight end whatever they want qb and receiver are kind of the final two frontiers for the 
A-pluses across the board in the perception department for Georgia. So getting a nationally known quarterback, an NFL legacy from the West Coast, previously committed to Ohio State, I mean, you talk about optics. That thing pushes so strongly in the right direction uh, that you, you saw a boom. You saw a bunch of new Georgia commitments popping up after that moment because a quarterback, going back to NIL, a quarterback that has that cachet already can now – increase your value as, as a running back, as a receiver, as a tight end. So you just see that instant galvanizing effect of, oh, well, there's additional trust and buy-in and benefit of the doubt from offensive recruits, skill position recruits, and the Georgia Bulldogs, which, again, was just kind of like the last group that were like, man, if Georgia figures that thing out, it really is kind of over for just about everybody else. So I, I do think that was optically such a, a big get. And then having seen Dylan over the last – several days in Los Angeles, you get it. Big, physical, strong. That arm talent is, is just easy. It's easy velocity. It's easy third-level ability. But he's got some great athleticism, too. You know, came up playing baseball. Um, you know, he idolizes Patrick Mahomes, and you see a lot of that in his game. Just a very modern quarterback recruit. So all of the things that you could sort of push against Georgia for – Raiola satisfies some of that just by being on the verbal commitment list right now. And obviously if, if everything works out and he pans out, uh, that perception can be pushed back and, and all but erased uh, sort of going forward. Last question for you, John. How much, how much obviously bigger chatter has there been about the University of Georgia over the last few years as this program has transitioned? I mean, is it at the point – I mean, we see the recruiting rankings and we know the success that they've had on the field. But, I mean, is the chatter so much drastic now that, I mean, you know, compared to years past, but, you know, Georgia's really kind of the sexy program and it's the place that I think everybody wants to be. Yeah, that's the offer that when it comes in, you you – if you're talking to a recruit, you hear his his voice pitch change a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to him in person, you'll see him smile a little bit wider talking about Georgia. There's a little bit more shock and awe with that offer because, yeah, the, these these kids, they don't remember some of these dynasties that you and I do. You could even take it into the Tebow years at Florida, Cam at Auburn, um, Jameis Winston at Florida State, up into that Ohio State run in 2014 – these kids weren't really cognizant of this great sport that we all love at that point. So it really is important uh, to, to be in the now if you're one of these programs. And obviously going back to back um, and, and the way Georgia's done it in such dominant fashion and the amount of NFL draft picks, which really to a lot of recruits is just as important, if not more important than, than NIL and even Saturday success. All of that combining in, in one motion, yeah, Georgia is absolutely, I would say, on an island by itself because Alabama was able to do it for such a longer period of time that it's sort of, it's a built-in. It's, it's an assumption at this point. You know it's big when that one comes. But Georgia, I would say in the last six to 12 months, it, it's just hitting harder when that one comes in, particularly for those recruits out of state. And, and as anybody in your audience knows, you know, Georgia has built this thing certainly from the Atlanta Metro on out, but that thing has stretched all the way uh, to the West Coast and the Northeast uh, as much as it stretched down South. On Twitter, at John Garcia underscore junior, he's the National College Football Recruiting Analyst for Rivals, and he joined me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. John, appreciate the time. Thanks as uh, always, and we will certainly chat again here soon. 
Sounds good. Thanks for having me. You got it. John Chuckery will be back. Sports Radio 929 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Back at it, Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Key Studios Monday night with you. 404-726-0929. Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app so you catch us on the go and social media is at 929 The Game at JMCH316 on Twitter. we got young Garrett in here producing the show now. You're only producing tonight, right? Because it's a Dom DeLuise, uh, I believe, tomorrow night. So we got to come up with a gimmick name for uh, for Garrett uh, as well. So uh, maybe like Rex Chapman, because because uh, it's not it's not I guess it's not Chapman, but it's Chapman. Does Garrett not sell? Uh, but there, is there any famous Garretts besides Miles Garrett? There's always a first. Yeah, I, I can guess. be the first. You never know. Miles Garrett's pretty famous. Yeah, that's the one I could think of. But yeah, but I, I don't know of anybody with Garrett for the first name. There's Garrett Nussmeyer. Who's that? I'll tell you later. Oh, is he a <laughs> porn actor or something? Or he's a football player. Oh, oh, he's a soccer player. Hey, speaking of soccer, we got uh, Atlanta United coming up here on Wednesday night. So, uh, seven thirty match. Uh, so it'll be seven o'clock pregame with Jason Longshore and Mike uh, Mike Connie. Uh, they'll have all the action here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium against NYCFC. And then coming up on Saturday, and by the way, I'm going to be out and about for a watch party coming up on Saturday at, hold please, it was at, what's the name of this place? Hang on. We're almost there. We're almost Bueller. there. We're almost Bueller. there. And... Uh, Saturday at Brewhouse Cafe, 401 Moreland Avenue, Northeast in Atlanta, 30307. Oh, you're over in my neck of the woods. Oh, really? Yeah, a little five points. Well, well, come on out. I Uh, will. I'll come see you. Yeah, come on out. Seven and nine. uh, I'll be out. Uh, We'll do Atlanta United Watch Party. Nice. Um, I'll break it all down. Doc Sock will break it all down for you (laughs) and uh, and tell you how it's going to be. So uh, they obviously are taking on uh, the uh, Atlanta United is going to take on the New York Red Bulls. That will be up at Red Bull Arena. That's in that's in New Jersey. I did not realize that they are that that is in New Jersey. Wow. Okay. They're right there on the uh, so it's right there on the train the train tracks as you uh, go into New York City. Really? Yeah. Right there on your right. Huh. You pass right by it. Okay. So uh, again, so many things and so many so many gimmicks that are New York born and bred, but they're actually in Jersey because both the NFL teams are in New Jersey. So, uh, but anyway, but uh, Atlanta United will take on. The Red Bulls, that's coming up on Saturday. I'll be out for the watch party at uh, from 7 to 9 p.m. on Saturday at the Brewhouse Cafe. Do you know where that place is? Yeah, it's right there on Moreland. Okay. Yeah. All right. You've been there before? Of course, man. It's one of the best. So- it's my favorite soccer spot in, oh, okay. in Atlanta. I think it's I think it's really the best. And that's my opinion. How's the food? Food's pretty good. Burgers are good. Okay. I'm not really interested in drinking. I mean, yeah. you know. You don't need a, bur- a beer? Uh, uh yeah, I'm. Is that none to, so I haven't. I, I've barely. No, I mean I've barely drank since I had my stroke. Sure. So sure. I've I've had. I I have I've had priorities. Couple, yeah, I've had a couple of beers. Um, I had. Um, we went uh, when we were in Chattanooga. We went to a Brazilian steakhouse for dinner. Ooh, you and, gotta um, have a beer there. Something. Well, I didn't have. I didn't have. I had two glasses of sangria. There you go. So I had two glasses of sangria. So that was. That was my. I've had a glass of sangria in a long time. Yeah, they had some kind of like Brazilian sangria. So yeah, that's really good. Really good. Yeah, it was Spanish really good. sangria and Brazilian sangria. That's yeah. that's yeah. that's good. As that it was gets. that was top top Oof, notch. So that's good. 
top-notch uh, good stuff. So anyway, we'll be out and about coming up here on Saturday. Then we got one more, I think, in July, um, sometime in July, like middle middle of July. But we will be off on Wednesday because of Atlanta United soccer. So Jason and uh, Mike uh, Mike Connie, they will have the call for all of that. So anyway, good stuff all the way around. All right, let's get to something we call What's Bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So, and I mean, the script writes itself, right? So the Albany Empire, so that this is the a National Arena League, right? That's the Arena League. They have kicked out Albany Empire out of the league Thursday after team owner, ready, wait for it, Antonio Brown failed to pay either a required fee or a fine he received after recent public comments. I mean, it writes itself, right? Uh, This from the league in a release, quote, after exhausting all avenues, the NAL board of owners have decided unanimously to terminate the membership agreement of the Albany Empire. The decision was reached after an emergency conference call of the members in good standing to discuss the Empire's failure to pay their league-mandated and overdue assessments. So Brown became the majority owner of the upstate New York team back in April. Under terms of league ownership, all teams are required to pay one-seventh of the NAL operating budget via monthly transactions. The league said Brown made the April payment but didn't pay the May 15th installment or a $1,000 fine for conduct detrimental to the league. Brown also challenged the April payment, which was credited back to him. The NAL said the team accountant, uh, sorry, said the NAL said the team accountant informed officials that it didn't seem like Mr. Brown was going to pay the assessment or fine. And with that, the membership gave the Empire until noon Thursday to make the payment. They didn't make it. They canceled this Saturday's uh, home game against the Jacksonville Sharks and will adjust the rest of the season without Albany. This writes itself. Uh, again, who, who would... Who would want Antonio Brown running their league? I know he's got more money than the federal government. I'm not saying that. But, I mean, think about what a knucklehead this guy has been as a player his entire career. Now you're asking him to run a team. Um, Since Brown bought the Empire, becoming a part owner in March, and taking over a 94% stake in the franchise in May, the team has been through multiple coaches. Both quarterbacks on the roster were released after last weekend's loss to the Orlando Predators that dropped Albany to 1-6. and six. The Empire entered the season as the, ready? Ready? The two-time defending champions of the league. Talk about going from the penthouse to the outhouse in a matter of a year. Everything this guy touches turns into an absolute turd burger. 
Uh, Brown, obviously a, a Pro Bowl wide receiver, had vowed to play for the Empire but is yet to do so. He practiced Wednesday and caught passes from quarterback Dalton Cole, who played at Division Three Brevard College and played for the Sharks for a short time before giving an interview in which he questioned whether A.B. was going to pay him. Brown has stated in the past that A.B., uh, the owner, and A.B., the player, are different people. Albany County's executive committee released a statement saying, this is an unfortunate situation. We are aware MVP Arena Management is alerting ticket holders and will be reviewing options moving forward. Uh, The refunding tickets purchased for the final three games, uh, final three home games for the team. Um, The decision was the latest drama uh, in, uh, in his tenure and ownership. Players and suppliers complained about not getting paid and eight players were suspended after one player filed an aggravated harassment report with police over a dispute that occurred on the team bus. Brown's father, Eddie Brown, was a legend in the former Arena League and started for the Albany Firebuds. Well, listen, the apple certainly does fall far from the tree in this kind of situation. But how how big of a knucklehead do you have to be to have an entire team that has been the two-time defending champions of the Arena League kicked out of the league? Have your charter revoked. In the Arena League, which is so desperate for teams that... <sighs> is business still booming? For... Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah, it's great. How's business? Yeah. Booming. Yeah. You should he, say that ad nauseum. No, he, he's he's got things really figured out. If, again, this guy could screw up a one-car funeral... I mean, this this is absurd that they are out of the league. And, and how much egg do you have to have on your face to let Antonio Brown? To, how desperate are you? I mean, I wonder who the previous owners were of this franchise. Like, how much did they end up bilking Antonio Brown out of all of this? Because certainly they would have gotten their money, right? Like, certainly the, the previous owners would have gotten their money or they wouldn't be owning the franchise or he wouldn't be owning any of it if they didn't get their money. Again, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous to think about the way that Antonio Brown has even handled something like this, but should we all not be surprised? Should we all not be surprised about how bad Antonio Brown has probably mismanaged everything? The guy is so talented. He has so much talent but he's got so much knucklehead in him. And that that's the reality of it, is that he's got all the talent in the world and nothing but immense talent, and yet he's a complete knucklehead. Whether he's a player, whether he's an owner, whatever, whatever he gets himself involved in. This is a this is a complete embarrassment for the league that it had to get to this point. Think about how much probably leeway that they gave him before they kicked them out of the league. Because, again, the payment was due in May or whatever, and it doesn't sound and, – and if we had just paid the $1,000 fine, they'd have been fine. How many tens of millions of dollars does Antonio Brown have? And he's running an organization and guys aren't getting paid and all this, that, and the other? 
You think if he'd have missed a game check, he wouldn't have cried and complained about it? If he missed a game check, of course he would have. That's what's bugging Chuck Reed. All right, buy the numbers for the Braves when we get back. Chuck Reed and Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92 on the game, the RC.com app. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.